first day, we spent an hour with them outside, uh, outside in the cold of that day around a fire pit, and it was about an hour or so. Now, I don't know what Christmas Day is like for y'all usually, but it's a really fun event in our house. It always has been, and it's been so much fun, and there's giddiness, and there's laughter, and it's just fun, and there's too much food, and there's too much family, and it's just an incredible day, and that's only in the morning. In the afternoon, in the evening, there's a whole other side of the family, and too much fun, and too much food, and too much family as well, but it's a day that is packed with goodness, and celebration, and gratitude. So this year, we got an hour out in the cold, followed by some cold pizza for Christmas. There's separation, and there always is. And I know, I know, honestly, I, I make light of that a little bit, but it pales in comparison to what some other people were experiencing over the holidays with COVID or with other illnesses, and it's just so painful. It has been so painful for so many families, for many of you, part of this worship service, for you to be isolated and away from your dear family members for months and months and months at a time. And it's been especially hard, I know, for, for those who care, for those who are elderly. We've had so many church members who have had to, um, whose family members, their own parents, are in nursing homes or they're in retirement communities and they cannot go in and see them. We've even had a few who have gotten ill and who have died and their family members have not been able to go and see them and, and their loved ones have died in the presence of strangers. There's a barrier. There's a barrier between us when someone is ill. So who doesn't need healing from all of this that we're going through? We are praying for healing, not just the virus itself, but from the healing of the experience itself. So it is good news, friends. It is such good news that we have a healer that we can turn to. We have a healer. Jesus is our great physician. You know that place, perhaps, in the gospel. Um, it's in Luke where he actually compares himself to a physician. He compares himself to a doctor. He says, just as a doctor who has come to heal people of their illnesses, I have come to heal people who are sick with sin. I've come to heal people who are sick, he said. And he makes that comparison between himself and a physician Jesus heals people. Now, what's fascinating is that he heals people, but he does so. Um, the physical healing is only a prelude to something else and to something more. And physical healing matters, and he wants to, to restore people to health. But he does so because it's always a prelude to healing their souls. And that the sickness that inflicts our souls is super serious. So that Jesus heals bodies, but that's only temporary. Bodies are going to break down again. Everybody he healed back in that day and age, their bodies would break down in some other way, perhaps later on. They would all face death. But Jesus came to be the healer of our souls, to heal us of what ails us. I love this uh, term that I learned from a great preacher whose name is Barbara Brown Taylor. And she used to preach at this tiny little Episcopal church in North Georgia and I got to go hear her preach. Gosh, it's been probably 25 years or so ago now. Um, an amazing orator, amazing speaker, and her best collection of sermons is called Gospel Medicine. Gospel Medicine, because that's what the gospel is for each one of our souls, for each one of our lives. That Jesus is our healer and that the gospel of God's love is the 
medicine. It is the ointment. It is the balm for what ails us. It's medicine for our souls. It's healing for all the cuts and the scrapes and the burns of life. A couple of years ago, I was opening a, a package that was encased in hard plastic like they seem to package everything in now, and I could never, ever open it with my bare hands. So I got a knife to open it, and it was, it was actually a filleting knife. It was an extremely sharp knife. And I said to myself very quickly, do not cut toward yourself. Cut away from yourself. Cut away from yourself. Cut away from yourself. And then I kind of stopped thinking consciously about what I was doing, and I wouldn't open the package, and so I got a better grip on it. And then I cut right toward myself, right over this knuckle right here, and the whole package turned red. I stopped thinking about what I was doing and being careful. I explained that scenario to the doctor at the minor emergency clinic as he was stitching me up, and he said, honestly and accurately, well, that, were, that wasn't very smart, was it? <laughs> no. And then he said also, very accurately, he said, you know, most of the wounds that I fix, most of the wounds that I see are self-inflicted. They're self-inflicted. Jesus is our doctor. And you know, whether our wounds are self-inflicted through our own sin, or it could be somebody else's sin, that they inflict on us and that they hurt us, whether our wounds are, are caused by ourselves or by somebody else, we all have these. Jesus is our doctor. God's love is the healing power that we need that makes us whole again. And those scars may remain and they will remain. But the gospel of God's love is always healing. It is always restorative. It is always empowering. And so I love this story that we're looking at tonight. And we'll look at it briefly for a few minutes more. And it comes from Mark 1. And again, Jesus has gone from his public ministry and this public teaching early on in his ministry to a private residence, to the home of Simon, who we know Jesus changes his name later to Peter, to Peter and Andrew and James and John are going to come along with them. And it reminds us of the fact that in that day and age, um, like when we go to Mexico and see our partners in Mexico, that you'll have multiple family members of several generations living in one house, more likely even one room. One-room homes were common then. They're common now in so many places in the world. There might have been a few rooms tacked on outside and sort of cobbled together onto one structure. But all these different family members circulating in and amongst each other is Peter and uh, his mother-in-law inside that house. And she is sick, we are told, with a fever. Maybe she's got some kind of virus and her fever won't allow her to get out of bed. If you've ever had a fever recently, then you know um, if you're at night and, and you're hot and you're tossing and you're turning, you can't sleep and you sweat and you're miserable. That's what she was, perhaps for several days in a row. And what happens when Jesus enters that house? first thing to glean from this story, one of our great lessons for tonight is the first thing is that they all quickly tell Jesus about her. They tell Jesus about her because they believe in him as a healer. His ministry hasn't been going on that long, but they believe in him as a healer and they tell Jesus about her. So I want to invite you to consider who should you tell Jesus about? 
Who could you take in prayer before Christ? Who should you tell Christ about who needs healing? And it might be you yourself. It might be a family member. Who is it that you want to pray for? Somebody who needs healing. It might be cancer. It might be COVID. It might be broken bones. But it also might be something non-physical. It might be a broken spirit. It could be a broken heart. Every time we announce a death at the beginning of worship service, I think, gosh, there are, there's a family with a broken heart right there. Or maybe it's a relationship that's in broken through that, a broken life due to some self-inflicted sin, some recurring sin that just has a grip on you or a grip on somebody you love. What do we do? We tell Jesus. We pray. We lift up that person before Jesus because God cares so much about fevered lives. Whatever that fever is, whatever that virus is, God cares so much about lives that are hurting in one way or another. So we pray. We pray for God to break down those barriers to to fall. And that's exactly what to her, goes to her bed, his hand down, she his hand in his, and he lifts her up. Fever leaves her, and he lifts her back into her life again, into her family, back into her routines. He touches her, and he heals her. So, who do you want? He's always the second that I see in this story that comes pretty quickly is that it did not for the news spread everywhere in that city. It spread everywhere, and the whole city of Capernaum shows up at that house for healing. And the, 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 the lesson here, the thing to, to see here, and it's a little detail that Mark adds. He says, the whole city turned out, meaning everybody. Everybody had either they themselves or someone they loved in need of healing. The whole city, everybody needs healing in one way or they're, they're all in need, and maybe it was for themselves, maybe it was for a loved one. Can't you just see them, for example, leading somebody who is blind, leading them by the hand because they don't know where the house is, they can't see, so a loved one is, is leading that person to Jesus. In another place, we read about how four friends picked up a paralyzed friend on a mat, on a rug, and they, they literally they picked him up and they hoisted him and they carried him in that weight to see Jesus. And I can see that happening here. People from all over Capernaum carrying someone they care about so much to Jesus. I can see people with, a, with a, maybe a homemade crutch, a stick. They're limping along toward that house. But for the first time in a long time, they're limping, but they have hope because they, they believe in Jesus as a healer. They have a as they go to see. gospel medicine is for everybody in the whole city. For everybody, whatever your brokenness you carry, whatever physical pain, whatever you have, whatever there's a hole in your heart. The good news of God's love is for you. No pain, no problem, no pain. It is above and beyond God's ability to heal. That we us or about us that is broken in need of healing. 
third very important thing about this uh, story, which is to notice how Jesus heals people of. And this does take about him. Mark tells us that he cured people and cast out many demons. And then he exercises power to liberate people beyond their control, that are above and beyond them, that they are in the grip of. And, and honestly, it's hard for us in the 21st century, it is hard for us sometimes to think biblically like these folks because we live now, of course, in this enlightenment, Western scientific method of thinking and that can sometimes sway us and inhibit us from believing in evil or believing in forces or believing we can have control over people. It is a blessing to be scientifically in It allows us to have things like technology and to have these great instruments and to have these great cures for medicine. Being scientifically enlightened is a blessing. It's a burden because we look for science everything and it can't. Science cannot explain morality. It cannot explain good and evil. It cannot explain evil especially because evil it is irrational. It defies explanation. It harms people. People harm themselves under evil's influence. We will choose against our own interests sometimes because we're under the power of sin. It happens. It happens in our world. We see movements where it happens, where collectively a wind of evil blows. In the mid-20th century in Nazi Germany, we know that. And I don't always know what to make of the New Testament when it speaks sometimes of demons and about unclean spirits. And, you know, maybe sometimes I it's not an ancient culture's way of, of trying to explain things that it doesn't about the mind or about people's behaviors and yet we still know that people can come under the grip of powers beyond their own willpower and beyond their ability to control it's happening it happens i think about this frequently when i talk to friends um, who are in in various um, treatment programs or in various Programs and we, we now have two AA groups that meet here on, on the Germantown campus, one on Monday nights and one meets every day. And I talk to people who are in um, programs like going through and they'll describe their addiction as a power on them and yet it's in them and it is something that they need their healer. They need help and accountability and love and support from many people. There's something else that's, that's come I'm so going to happen now that legalized gambling, that legalized sports betting is now legal in the United States thanks to a 2018 Supreme Court ruling that now has legalized sports betting and it's legal in almost half U.S. states including Tennessee. And of course I'm saying this on the day in America that is the highest day of placed bets and gambling in our country today, Super Bowl Sunday. And it used to be that, that gambling and betting 
was, um, was kind of an underground thing, and it might be illicit, and there might be somebody in the community, or it was confined only to places like Las Vegas, but now it is as close as your cell phone, because now there are at least four companies that are licensed betting in Tennessee. Download their app, you link it, you make a deposit, you link it to your bank account, and people are going to be betting more and more and more on their phones. And I know what that's going to mean in 12 football season for people. I learned this when I was in college in Germantown. Uh, to football and pro we would bet six dollars there six to win five eleven to win ten stakes right we were big fat cat gamblers weren't we but you know what i learned from all of that that the bookie always wins the house always wins you may get up one weekend, and maybe you're up the next weekend. You will go down. You will go down because the house always wins in the end because we human beings lack the self-control to make wise decisions when it comes to and betting, and you will never beat those apps. The odds are against it, and you will know that, and you will lose. Are there people who can stay in bed and show restraint and stop when they get down at a certain point? Of and maybe that's you. But you know what else? We're going to see a whole wave of people in the next year or year and a half who have all kinds of and marital problems, seat problems. All of gambling is a control. And I did this this week looking at for some of the. I look at the testimonies, and male and female, addiction and that pull and that force, drained their lives, spiraling down into all of these. And then the wife of a group here in Memphis that's starting a new support group to pornography. Last week wants to send us some literature to see if Jesus material and maybe even for people who have a sex addiction to pornography. in that and I hesitated because I said our church is ready for a discussion on something like that. I just don't know. It's, it's embarrassing. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's controversial. But the truth is that pornography has exploded in our country. I mean, it's always been around, but it's exploded in the last 20 years, the rise of the Internet, and especially in the, in the last 10 years with the rise of the ironically named smartphone. It's as close as people's phones. And what the material says and what the statistics say are quite astounding, especially about the type of pornography that we're using. Now, according to this material, some 
inflicting about control and it's about anger and it's about outlet for frustration act of God's creative desire love and intimacy and closeness and procreation and and goodness is now twisted by powers in our society in something very wrong and it's about anger and control and hurt and pain and it's poisoning relationships and people's love and it's a force from which they cannot free themselves but yes there will be literature placed around the church help for that because it is a force you want to call it demonic or spiritual whatever it is it's a force that's at work in our lives that's so there is good there is good news because Jesus is our healer no matter what the illness no matter what the virus of the body or Jesus is a healer for all and a healer for all that ails us we know someone who can take us by the hand and raise us up from a fevered life there's someone who can liberate us from anything beyond our control any addiction any brokenness any pain of body or mind and that is jesus our healer healed all those who came gospel passages and see he turns them away and he does it says in several places that he healed them and it took hours to heal them. Be your healer. Physical or spiritual. Pray about it. Tell him about it. Tell him. And know that it is. It's, it's all of us. The fevers and illness. We all have those places where we need healing us need spiritual liberation that's the healing we need which is at work in our world and our and liberation believe the good of the gospel take in this gospel this is our healer and he has the medicine that we need for us tonight it starts at this table now and we do so it's medicine it's given to us by Jesus medicine by which we can come we can like like medicine we take for any ailment this is something we ingest we take our body for the invitation Christ gives us to come to this table we know that he is our host all those who love him to come to this table to receive his receive this gospel which we will almighty god we come to thank you for of your love and to praise you for the message of us to receive lord thank you for being such a healer thank you for knowing lord the place where we are broken and so, Lord, we do lift our prayers for healing tonight, even as we look forward to this sacrament. We do think about all those around us in our family, church family, 
circles of friends. We think about those who are right now not far away from town Methodist Hospital. We think about those who are in Baptist. We think about those who are in the body of our Lord. All these we pray for every person in every room that you would be the great healing physician for them, that you would work through doctors and you would work through nurses, that you would work through caregivers, O oh God, that you would bring healing to people in body and in mind. And Lord, we need to heal us also from and so sacrifice on the cross. We are grateful for all the ways in which, Lord, you provide for us, that you nudge us, that you put us in the right direction. Lord, help us turn away from bring us to that healing place where you are the bond is the ointment for our soul. We know that our world, it, the world that you created is the less filled with places and there is warfare. And so we pray for those places, O oh God. We pray also that grace would be at work in world leaders and in that you would help them turn what is right, help 